Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am playing the Shadow Dark RPG by Arcane Library using Curse Scroll 1 and the setting known as The Gloaming. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of things like a dedicated Discord server, a monthly Q&A, the City of Arches sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume one and two, a bunch of exclusive adventures, a bunch of tools to help you run your games, tons of stuff that you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish. But most of all, you help me put on shows like this. To the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your outstanding support. So our characters have been going through Bitter Mold Keep, which is a great big dungeon that's kind of the centerpiece of the gloaming. It's intended to be a first level dungeon, but honestly, it really doesn't matter what level you are because it's dangerous no matter what. So the characters came in from the northeast area one. They made their way through two, three, four, over across to 13. They did not go back to the right. They talked to the gold catfish who told them that what they seek is down to the northwest, but they also learned about an exit because they surely needed an exit. They had enough experience points. Many of them had enough experience points to get to level three. And they needed, but they needed a place of rest to be able to get it. So they made their way past the bats down through some ruins of what I called strong stone because I thought the idea that people would name their own place bitter mold was kind of funny. So I said they called it strong stone, but it turned into bitter mold keep as it started to rot because of Mugdoblub. They got to 17. They wanted to escape past the gelatinous cube. And I think one character died and one character was mortally wounded and then rescued but unconscious. And then they got outside and met the character of the one who died the character of the player who had just lost their character trying to fight the gelatinous cubes because gelatinous cubes are really, really, really hard. They're really dangerous monsters. And they made their way out. They rested. They got to level three. And then they had to figure, well, now what? We got to go back in through the gelatinous cube room. We got to fight it anyway. And that was tricky. And they, they had to like, you know, figure out where it was. And they had to like, you know, get angles on the shot and try to figure out how they could get into areas that it couldn't quite squeeze into. And you know, hitting it with fire. And they eventually defeated the gelatinous cube and it died. And they got, I think they got some loot from it. I, they rolled randomly and rolled really well and they got a wand. And if you recall last week, I was rolling for potential loot that they could get. And I rolled like the staff of Ord, which is like the equivalent of the staff of the Magi. And I was like, ah, you know, now that they just got a fancy wand, I don't think I'm going to give him a fancy staff on top of it. Also, there's only like really one character who could use it. So I think I'm going to switch out the the powerful magic item that exists inside Mugdolblub's realm to a dagger. To a there's a there's a like a weird sacrificial dagger that I think we're going to have it instead. So they made their way back in, fought the gelatinous cube, then got down to area 21, fought the bitter molds, and had a really hard fight. Molds they defeated them, but they were badly wounded and like we're all hurt again. Let's go back out, and now they're making their way back out of the dungeon with an intention of going and resting outside. And that is the where our where our current session a current session begins. As always, I'm using Notion to do my campaign planning. You can find a link to how to use Notion for your RPG planning in the show notes. I'm going to click generate a session planning template and create a new one for today. Today is the 12th. So we got our new template for the session, the gloaming. So we have our list of characters. I think this is the current list of characters. I've been trying to keep it. I've been trying to keep it up. 
Sirwin has lasted the longest, is now third level, and I think actually got some decent hit points. Sirwin's player rolled a one and a one on level one and two, but I think rolled a six on three, so now has eight hit points at third level. So that's how you know, regression to the mean works, or, or the central limit theorem, one of those two. Morrigan Nightweaver is also another one that has lasted throughout most of the campaign. It's the, it's the player's first character. And also reached third level as a, uh, a warlock of Shun the Vile, um, the Mother Witch, and has been branded. Mother was burned. It's a lot of fun working with, with Morgan. Lickmack is a goblin wizard. Varro is a half-orc fighter jeweler who held the door. Another one that's been around for a long time. Gim is a knight of St. Yidris, who a player's been out for a bit but came back. And Gim is a former Knight of St. Idris, has the powers of St. Idris. And then Dazdor, whose background is Jay's third character. <laughs> so you can tell. And this is, this is something about this style of game, is that it is very deadly. And characters can get killed by, by lots of things. Again, they were like second, third level going into a first level dungeon. And they still got creamed by some of the guys that they fought. And then we have the Glorious Dead. This is kind of fun. Bug Juice, Buckmaster, Bohannon, dragged through a fire trap while trying to be rescued and died. Thalos, killed by an oozefolk in town and became a zombie, a, a cheerful zombie, I think. Thinil died in, a sand, died in a sand pit, an acidic sand pit. Daisy lost the will to live in the depths of Bittermold Keep. And then Ari, I'm going to remove these deads, killed by a gelatinous cube, which is probably the most straightforward. So we've lost five characters, right? And some players have lost multiple characters. Jay, one of, one of the players has lost two Two characters, two players have lost two characters each now and are on their third character. What's interesting about that is it really means that the focus of the campaign is on the campaign's goals more so than the character's goals, which is obviously a, a big difference in how you would run a game like this and run, say, a 5e game where the characters have far more capability and are far more empowered and the expectation isn't that you're dying every, you know, two, you wouldn't be on your two, second or third character by the time you're hitting third level. So I don't think, it, so it's a, it's a different style of game. And, you know, there, there, are, there are things I like about character-driven stories where their characters have arcs and they follow those arcs. And it doesn't mean that they don't ever die and that they never, you know, that there aren't occasions where they, there aren't occasions where they, their arc ends in a vertical line because of their character's death. But you definitely get more of a character focus in a game where you have more than seven hit points and where a single sword attack isn't going to kill you necessarily. And I wonder what that like means for the overall campaign and how that plays out. And like the length of a campaign, like can you play long campaigns and what's your expectation of like, you know, you might be able to play long campaigns, but do you typically have characters that have lived long lives? I don't think so. I think you probably went through a lot of characters if you're playing a long campaign. And so I wonder, I wonder how that plays out. And it's not, this isn't a bash of Shadow Dark, but it's showing the different styles of, of RPGs that you have, even though you have what I consider to be like a really, really great AD&D, sort of classic D&D style RPG. I think that the, I mean, I don't know, like I guess those old campaigns used to have characters like Melf and, 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 Big B and all these other characters that lasted long, long into the night, long into the long into the game. But it seems like the style of game is is certainly less of a character driven narrative than it is a campaign driven narrative, which is also like loosely based on you go into dark places and you explore looking for loot. So 
that's something to think about when 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 one is like oh what kind of game is this and can i use this game for different kind of styles of game i think it works really well if you want that sort of classic dungeon delving game that's focused on fighting monsters and getting treasure great but you might also say yeah but what about the big epic storylines that i get you know how do i how do i run a game i mean i'm thinking like i'm i'm on the tail end of baldur's gate 3 right now and i'm seeing the storyline of baldur's gate 3 and like that storyline would be completely different if your characters were dying 30 times on the way to the end of the campaign and instead you want these arcs for the characters you want to see what those arcs are like and the arcs can end badly i've had arcs that ended badly but you still don't quite have the sense for the arc if you get killed because you were trying to drag a, an unconscious friend through a doorway and it got hit by a fire trap and they burned to death i mean it's a great story i don't know i'm rambling but I think it's something to think about. And it's something that that tells me that as much as I have been enjoying my Shadow Dark game, I'm still also enjoying my 5e games. Like, I have not found a system. And I think a lot of people are always kind of seeking this. They, they think sort of on a single linear path of like, which system is better than which? And you just hop to the whatever the next system is. And there are certainly systems that people are going to prefer. But I like to say, no, you've got this wide range of all different systems that serve different purposes, that's, that tell different kinds of stories, that, that let you and your players share different kinds of stories. And you want to pick that system that fits that kind of story that you want to tell. And I do think that of, of all of the systems I've played, 5th edition really nails that balance of good crunchy mechanics that can keep players coming back for years. Again, I've had the same group playing for more than 10 years now in this system. I've had multiple groups that have been playing more than five or, five or six, seven years in different campaigns. And also has a lot of room for role-playing and a lot of room for story and a lot of room for drama and everything else. And I think like that really nailed a niche you know, that I think goes beyond just, oh, it was D&D and has the biggest market share, which I think is what a lot of people say. And the only game, there's a couple games that come really close to that. 13th Age comes really close. I've run 13th Age. I love it. And I think it really hits that idea of being able to, to tell epic stories of powerful characters. That one's also way more powerful than, than 5e. Your, your power curve goes way up. The other one would be Shadow of the Demon Lord and upcoming Shadow of the Weird Wizard. I haven't played Shadow of the Weird Wizard. There's actually playtest rules for that now, or not playtest rules, but like free quick start rules that you can use. And there are some differences in how Shadow of the Weird Wizard plays that I'm curious to see. But that's another one that seems to have a really good handle on giving interesting new character options as you grow that expand outwards from, from your character, but also stay simple enough that you can really focus on storytelling mechanics. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. And I think the line is sort of your classic style games that focus on what the game used to be like in sort of the middle of second edition and back. And then you have sort of newer games that are focused on more character driven stuff with a lot more character empowerment that have happened from sort of mid second edition through third edition and onwards where you have higher hit points, you have higher attack bonuses, higher amounts of damage, greater access to spells, all that sort of thing that, that we've seen ever since the early 2000s so yeah so it's interesting to like play as much as we've been playing in this system and then compare it to what we were playing before and i'm my players are still loving it we're still really enjoying it so i, I don't i don't you know this isn't this isn't bashing it i i like running it and my players like playing it but I, how long will our campaign go that seems to be a common question that everybody has my players are asking me people on that are watching the show are asking me how long it's going to go and the answer is i'm not sure i don't know how long it's going to go i mean i i don't i don't have a clear end in mind you know, and so we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. All right. So the characters, I think I don't think they've made their way out yet. So here's a really cool tip for using Albert Rodeo that I like. Let me 
show uh, something I did before, which was how you can mimic Torchlight. So I'm running the Shadow Dark RPG. Shadow Dark RPG is very, very big on Torchlight. And what you can do is you can create a shape, a fog shape like this one and have it be about 30 feet out. You could use the little distance tool if you want to say like how far is it and say, yeah, it's about a 30 foot range on that. And you can move it around, of course. But the interesting thing is you can attach it because the character is the one carrying the torch. You can attach it. So what you do is you select the box and then down here is a little attach or you can hit A, but you can click the attach link, which links it. And then you tie it to a token, like the druid. And now, when you're on the selector and you move the druid, it moves the light around. But one of the problems people noticed, and you can already see what my solution is, one of the things that people noticed is like, well, that means the character can go up to a doorway and see what's beyond the door without having opened it. Or they could like be in this room and they could look down and go, oh, look, there's a stairwell down to the lower right. Because if you, if, you, if you move the fog, right, you can see that when they are viewing things they can see stuff that they shouldn't see, right? They can, they can kind of go into areas and, and, oh, look, there's a room below us, right? They can see that stuff. And so what people had been doing is you can, there are plugins, I think, and there are ways to sort of do the outline so that the lighting won't go through a wall. But I have a much easier, a much easier trick for that. And that's you just make another shape. So when you don't want people to be able to see through an area... You go down to your draw tool. You select black as your color because you don't. You just want it to appear black. You click rectangle and you draw a rectangle. You can make it any size you want. It doesn't have to be perfect. And the neat thing is now you have this rectangle. You can move around and block stuff. And you can highlight exactly what you want. You can also make the, the rectangle if you're like, oh, I need it bigger. You can make it bigger. If you want to make it smaller, you can make it smaller. If you need to get really crafty, you can make multiple rectangles. But typically you don't because the thing is only 30 feet big. So as long as your rectangle is slightly bigger than their view box, then what you see when you go to the fog version is now they can't see through the area. They can move around and they can look, but they're only seeing and you go, oh, well, what about that, right? And you just go back to uh, your rectangle and you just move the rectangle around to block whatever their site is so they can't quite see what's going on beneath. You don't have to make a bunch of rectangles. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time you know, setting all the walls of the entire dungeon, which takes forever, right? That whole idea of like dynamic lighting takes forever. And instead you could just draw little boxes and block out the area that you don't want to see. And as you can see, like I have a couple of them that I've put out so I can just easily you know, use multiple boxes to kind of block the area that they can see. And that way, when they're actually moving around, when the, when the players are moving around, they will only see the stuff that they are supposed to see and not anything else. So really easy trick, very fast, doesn't take a lot of time. You don't have to go through the whole trouble of like blocking out an entire dungeon, block, you know, putting lines around everything to make sure that the fog of war only shows what you can. Instead, it's very fast, very, you can do it during the game itself. You don't have to, you don't have to do a lot of prep ahead of time. So I really like that trick and I hope that helps you better enjoy your time with Albert Rodeo. Yeah, anyway, so that's where they are. We, we, we can, I don't know if we need this. We'll, we'll keep this right there because now they know what's down there. So I don't have to block stuff that they don't know about. And again, I can just sort of move, you know, I can sort of move these boxes wherever I want to give them what they can, to give them what they can see. And they went down there, they fought the bitter molds and they got beat up. So I think that they're on their way back. And I, I don't, did I write down? I, I wonder if I wrote down like the last thing that happened. That would have been great. Let's see how it passed Mike Shea. 
helped out. Ended with Lickmack being tied up by Pixie. Yes! Thank you, Past Mike Shea, for telling me what happened. So they left, and they went up to rest. And they, when they were resting, one of the characters had a pretty good perception. He was sleep. He was awake. They were going through their, you know, who's stay, who's keeping watch. And they found a bunch of little pixies with tiny little pixie string, were laughing and racing through the woods. Well, the pixies work for Titania, so pixies are tying up Lickmac. And who was it that noticed? I don't remember. I think I think at this point it kind of doesn't matter. So the pixies are tying up Lickmac is the is the thing, and they want to steal any magical artifacts the characters have and bring them to Titania, who will exchange them for free passage to the realm of the Fae. So they can get out of this shitty world. So, Pixies! And I think there, there's some options for quests and things here. And then going back into Bitter Mold Keep to get the pure essence. So that's that's the scene. And then the ne- I think next steps, where are they going next, was a question that I, I brought up last week too. So let's see what I... Um, what did I bring up last week? What I, I think I had some good ideas for the next steps. Investigating Haldren's Tower, hunt down Greaves Redthorn at the Bandit Camp, and inter the remains of the Green Knights at the at Meyer Castle Ruins. Steps. I think those all sound like good next steps, so we're just going to copy those over. When the characters are done with Bitter Mold Keep, where are they heading next? But I think a big one is using the pure essence to create a cure for the curse of Mugdalblub. Pretty straightforward on scenes. So, let's see. Titania offers free passage to the realm of the Fae for magical treasures recovered before... I always get the three gods mixed up. There's Undaluk, the Marrow Fiend. There's Almazots before Almazots devours the world and sends it to Marrow. So that's, that's one secret. Let's see. Haldren, the elf sorcerer of Finmir Lake, sought a way to... Sought an artifact, right? To rid the world of Mugdalblub and save it from the jaws of Almazots. Greaves Redthorn seeks to bring Undaluk into the world to speed up the process of Almazot's digestion of the gloaming. So that gives us a couple... Oh, so another secret. So Haldren, no one has heard from Haldren in months, but he was last in the south. I think we can actually steal these sec- this, this secret from, from Mugdablov's Essence of Consciousness from Worlds Beyond. That's, that's good. Kytheris found Mugdablov. These are all good secrets that I don't think I revealed last time. Elder Ooze wants the object kept uh, simple black circle cloth. Bring it to me. Yeah, Elder Ooze sent others wants to hedge its baths. Multiple artifacts kept in his vaults beneath the tower of, in the lake, including a well of many worlds and a sphere of annihilation. Haldren has gone missing months ago. Seeks the artifacts of Haldren. These are all great secrets. And I don't think I revealed any of these last week because like, we didn't get very far. <laughs> I think I got some duplicates here. We'll delete. Let's see this one. 
No, I think that's important though. I don't think Haldren has the sphere of annihilation. I think he was going to get it. So Haldren has gone missing months ago, seeking an artifact capable of ridding the world of Mugdalblub's curse. It's a sphere of annihilation. I can't spell annihilation. There we go. Is it in the vile well or could that be somewhere else? Maybe we don't know yet. Maybe we'll worry about that later. We don't have to know that. The Sorcerer Haldren has many, multiple artifacts kept in his vaults beneath the tower in the lake, including a well of many worlds. Mugdalblub wants the well of many worlds so he can invade many worlds at the same time. Haldren probably wants the well of many worlds to use the sphere of annihilation to destroy Mugdalblub completely out of all possible worlds. I think that's pretty cool. It's a really big epic storyline considering like characters are getting their asses kicked by gelatinous cubes. These are, these are big pile of secrets. So I, I was able to reuse pretty much every secret that I had last week. And that's, that's totally fine. So fantastic locations. Grey Wall Prior Eye is where the Knights of St. Yudris, the Vile Well is where Haldren is kept. Haldren's Tower is where he's kept. I think the answer is you can't get into Haldren's Tower's lower vault without Haldren himself. The Meyer Castle Ruins is where the Green Knights used to reside. The Redthorn Camp and the Marrow Tree is where Greaves Redthorn is trying to bring Undaluk as the Herald into the way. Drusilla's Hut is where they can recreate the pure essence. They can use the pure essence to build a cure for people who have Mugdalblub's curse. Bittermold Keep is where they are now. The Twisted Marrow Tree is something I wanted to show at some point. I might just mix the Twisted Marrow Tree up with, I think that's going to be Red, Redthorn's Redthorn's camp. That's pretty good. So we're going to delete this one. And the village of Wardenwood. So those are all our locations. Some NPCs. Titania is an important NPC. Jupiter, the scout for Titania. She's already current. So we probably, for NPCs, we probably need a fairy or a pixie, a pixie queen or, or royalty, right? We'll go with a leader. And let's see what the Shadow Dark book has as far as some random names and stuff. This would kind of be fun to give the Pixie Gang a name. So they are known as the Forest, the Forest Wolves. The Forest Wolves. That's kind of boring. I like forest. Let's see, four. The Forest Hammers. That's kind of funny. 14. The Vigilant Wolves. The Vigilant Hammers. The Vigilant Miscreants might be fun. We'll call them the Vigilant Miscreants. Or the Forest Miscreants. Eh, Forest Miscreants is probably good. Did I spell miscreants right? If I spelled that right, I would be shocked. I did. Wow. So what is she called? What are they called? Here we go. I kind of like the goblin names for pixies. Let's see what we get. 19. Bree. Yeah. Seeking artifacts for passage back to the, to the, fae, the fairy realm to give to Titania for passage back to the fairy realm. Cool. So treasure, monsters, I don't need to worry about. It's in the book. And treasure, I wanted to look at that. I was going to do the Staff of Ord, but I think one of the things I think will be fun is that they go, and, and well, this is something worth spending a little time with. So you go to the 10 plus treasure table because Mugdalblub is higher than 10. And I was like, okay, the Mighty Staff of Ward is what I rolled. But I think the Fearsome Obsidian Witch Knife would be cooler. That the, the Witch Knife is just lying there next to him, next to it. Let's see what that does. It's a plus two dagger, cannot be wielded by a lawful being. When you cast a spell while holding this dagger, you may wound yourself with it. Add the amount of damage you take to your spell casting check. 
I think that's pretty cool. In fact, I would let people do it retroactively. You may wound yourself with, with it. And I guess, I, I, so a couple things I would do to make this nice is that you don't have to roll randomly to see how much damage you do to yourself. You get to pick the amount of damage that you do and you get to add that to your check. And I'm going to be nice and say you can do it after you have chosen it. Because it's supposed to be like an artifact level thing. So it's, it should be, you won't be able to use it. Otherwise they're stabbing themselves and dropping. That would suck. So I think, I don't know if that's how it's intended, but that's certainly how I'm going to rule it, I think, is that, that you can choose how much damage to do to yourself and you can choose to do it after you make your check so that you're willing to. It's a really good, um, it's a really good, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of item. Oh, yeah, I like that. And the idea is that that's sitting in Muggle Blub's tomb. I, I think it's also, this is an artifact level thing, so it's going to dump experience points on them. Uh-oh. What did I do? There we go. I mean, legendary is 10. So I think it's a, if they can get it and they can acquire it, I think it is a 10, a 10 experience item. It is a legendary item. And that's probably going to kick them up to fourth. And that's okay. I don't know if it'll kick them up to fourth, but it, it gets them a good way on the way. So it's an experience 10 item. If we wanted to be all sort of character, this would be grim. What if... To, to tie into characters, you don't want to tie two characters. What if Morgan's mother? So what was Morgan's mother's name? Let's go back to our random names, right? For Although Rosalind sounds good. We'll go with Rosalind. Brought, used the knife to bring Mugdalblub into the world. This is one, this is an example of like a secret so the whole storyline, you know, I've just talked about how like you can't really have good character-driven secrets or char character arcs in Shadow Dark, but I think we're doing it anyway. And here's the thing, like a, a secret like this. The, so Morgan's mother, Rosalind Nightweaver, was a witch. She was burned at the stake by the Knights of St. Yidris outside of one of the villages, which is really grim. And it gives, Mor it gives Morgan this like, you know, pay, pay, my, my, her mother keeps appearing to her as like a charred corpse and bring, you know, brings her to safety and points her out and stuff. And she's wanted revenge because the Knights of St. Yidris burned her mother, and that's really terrible. But what if her mother actually did bring Mugdalblub into the world by slicing open a, a barrier between worlds and used the obsidian witch knife to do it? And she actually was the cause of all of this problem. She still wasn't worth... It's still not kind burning her at the stake, but what if she actually was responsible? When you do a secret like this, where you're like, you're changing the image of an NPC, even though she's dead, that the character had from like pretty good to pretty bad, you, you'd want to be careful. And I probably will check in with the player to make sure that she's good with that idea. I can be vague about what it is, but I know the player too. And I think the player will be pretty good with it. So I, I, the, the player tends to like those kind of dark arcs for, for their character. So I'm going to talk to them about it and make sure they're okay offline. But I'm pretty confident. If I didn't think that the player... I have other players where if I was to do something like this, they would not like it. This player, I think, kind of digs that. They, they like riding on the edge of, of having characters that are sort of good and evil and and having these hard choices of like do you follow the footsteps of your mother who was trying to end the world right or recognize you know i, I don't know so there's kind of fun it's kind of a fun thing but the idea that rosalind nightweaver used the obsidian witch knife to bring mugdalblub into the world i think that's pretty cool 
So we'll see. But I think I think the clues can be that Mugdoblob is here. There is a slice between the worlds and the witch knife is lying on the ground. And again, has seen the knife before. Right. I think that that would be a that would be a cool thing. Any other kind of treasures that they pick up will roll at the time. I don't think we need to roll them ahead of time. NPCs. I've got some good NPCs going on here. I've got a lot of good secrets going on here. It might be kind of interesting. Is there an artifact? So let's see. And receive the Emerald Blade XP10. All right, the Emerald Blade is from Curse Scroll 1. And that is, if we go to... Yeah, the Emerald Blade is an elven weapon that was gifted to the Green Knights by the Fae Queen. And she wants it back. That's a good secret. It was a gift from the Fae Queen to the Emerald Knights, to the, to the Green Knights centuries ago. Right, so that's uh, if if one one nice thing about Shadow Dark and the idea that experience points are based on loot that you acquire is like that can become the drive. So for each of these things, each of these things we could have like a major artifact that each character, each person has. So what does Greaves Redthorn have? What would what artifact would they have? Could be pretty interesting. Is there? Uh, let's look at if there are magic items in Curse Scroll. I don't see any items really. A diabolical treasure, but this is this is like normal treasure. It's not special stuff. It's a great list though. But let's go to the Shadow Dark game and let's go to uh, like what is Greaves Redthorn holding? The armor of Saint Taragnus. Plus three plate mail. Only a lawful worshiper of Saint Taragnus can wear this armor. Hostile spells that target you are ca- are DC eighteen to cast. Once per month, you can summon an avatar of Saint Taragnus. Treat as an archangel to fight by your side for ten rounds. How often do you do that? Once a month. I don't know if we have any followers of St. Taragnus. Somebody would say like, well, I'll follow him now. Would be pretty fun. I think that that could be another artifact. Plus three magic weapon, plus three mystic armor, a flying carpet. Brax cube of perfection. Tiny cube with paintings of goblins on each face, each one depicting transcendence and a physical or mental trait. Roll the cube by rolling a d6. Your corresponding stat permanently increases to eight. Uh, after being rolled, Brax cube teleports to a random location in the multiverse. That would be a pretty great one. I think it could be that... Does Gre- I mean, I guess it would make more sense that Greaves Redthorn had the armor of Taragnus. It's so powerful, though. I don't think it matters. What are we, what are we doing here? But I like the cube of perfection too. And these are like the most powerful artifacts in the realm. So there's like these sets of experience level 10 artifacts that they could recover across the land. And, and um, Titania is seeking all of these back, I think is a key, a key thing. And they can learn about these, right? They can learn about these from the pixies, but they can learn about them elsewhere. And they know that they have an artifact already. One thing could be if, they, if the characters decide, well, we're just going to leave... So the, the Sphere of Annihilation is another one. Are there other artifacts that they could pick up that could be sort of the key? Like, boy, the Amulet of Vitality is far more powerful than that. The, the cube is. The cube is pretty great, though. Bag of Badgers. The Blade of Vengeance. A lot of great magic items in here. Looks like they've got one of those, like Gloves of Agility, Gauntlets of Might, the Circlet of Wisdom, the Amulet of Vitality. All of those might be good items that are kind of set away. That could be kind of a fun secret. A set of six powerful items known as the artifacts of perfection are lost throughout the gloaming. 
Titania wants all of them. And so I think the artifacts of perfection, they're probably not, I don't know, I could give 10 experience each. Gloves of agility, gauntlets of might, the circlet of wisdom, the amulet of, vit of vitality, that's four. So what other ones? There's a charisma thing, right? And intelligence, hat of intellect, the necklace of charm. Those would be kind of fun artifacts for them to recover. And then the neat thing is they could pick those up and they would be really good at that one thing. You know, they'd have that an 18 in that one stat, which is super powerful in this game. And if their character dies, they can, the next person can take it and wear it. And then they can give it to Titania and get out of, get out of Dodge or, or save the world. Who knows? I think that, that, that's kind of a fun way that this quest could go. There's a lot of different magic items that you can kind of spread across the world and, and let the characters hunt them down. The robe of the archmage. Man, a lot of cool magic items to throw around. Cool. So let's see. I've got my secret. Let's let's start at the top here. I got my characters. I know who they are. Uh, I got my strong start. The pixies are trying to tie up Lickmack. That's a good strong start. I've got my scenes. Pixies are going to attack. Then they go to, back to Bittermold Keep. They're going to use the pure essence to create. Once they acquire the oh, so let's think about that scene for a minute here, right? So they're going to go move that out of the way for the time being. They're going down to this chamber. They're, they're, they really don't have to go far. They were, they were right there. And when they go in, they're going to see Mugdalblub and a, like a tear in the wall. This is probably worth a location description, right? Mugdalblub's chamber. So what three things they notice? Spongy terrain, spongy difficult terrain because it's completely turned into slime. A, a rift to Mugdalblub's realm any other kind of interesting terrain let's see royal statues turned to ooze people and mugdalblub is kind of an npc right i think we have an npc for mugdalblub elder ooze that leaks and cracks in the memory and darkness between stars mugdalblub seeks the dissolution of the physical form but more than that mugdalblub seeks the well of worlds beneath haldron's tower so it can spread to all worlds it's willing to send intelligent en entities out there to acquire it because it's dumbass slime folk couldn't get the couldn't get into the vaults so it's actually sent people to try to get them before so mugdalblub and yeah so that that seems like a good you know easy easy npc sort of ideal that it's it won't kill the characters it might. It might eat one of them. And I think the idea is that they'll go into the chamber and there's Mugdalblub. I think I might have them go mad. I don't I don't think Shadow Dark has any sort of does it have like a madness rule? No. So we'll use that from the companion. They're gonna have to roll a stress effect. I'm gonna whip out my old stress effects and they will be overtaken by looking at Mugdalblub. And while they're flopping around they will learn of this stuff and it will say, hey, I want you to go to the tower and I want you to acquire the Well of Worlds and I won't eat you. I will eat you last if you do this for me. And meanwhile, they look and the dagger's right there and they're like, ooh, that's a fancy ass dagger. That's a Sidian dagger and they can feel the energy. If they can somehow get the dagger, but I think Mugdalblub will make it, you know, won't, won't, will almost instinctively try to stop them from doing so. So they'll have to be really, they'll have to be really careful or they're going to get slammed with a tendril. 2d8 damage and dissolve creature within far oh no three tendril near 
Yeah. Creatures within near one to six chance of their turn of mutation. One D four, an extra eye. Yeah, that's cool. So while they're getting mutated, they might, might actually physically change too. I think that'll be fun. So I think that looks all, I think, I think that's all set. So let's just go quick, quickly back over our notes. So we know we're going to start. That's really cool. They're going to learn lots of stuff in the pixies. That's fun. Then they go back into mid or mole keep. They face Mugdoblub. They try to get the pure essence, but also they pick up, turns out Mugdoblub is a quest NPC. Mugdoblub wants them to go to the How Aldrin's Tower and pick up the Well of Worlds, but turns out there might be another reason to get the Well of Worlds. They hunt down Greaves Redthorn and acquire the armor of St. Teragnus. And you might as well stop him from, from summoning Undaluk. Enter the remains of the Green Knights of the, of the Bruins and receive the Emerald Blade. So those are three good next steps. Then after that, they'll have to go rescue Haldren. That seems like something to do. Piles of secrets. That More secrets than I could probably use. Fantastic locations. Mugdoblub's chamber. I got that. And then we got all the, the other possible locations that could go. Lots of NPCs. That's all set. And then we got plenty of treasure. And then I will do what I did last time and write actual notes down. It was handy to say, where did the game end? Because I forget. I run too many games. I run, I run three games a week and it's easy to forget what's going on. So I think we are all set. Friends, I want to thank you all for hanging out with me this morning while I prepared for my, my role-playing game, my Sunday role-playing game. If you like this show and you like the stuff that I do, the best way to learn about all of the things that I do is to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. It is absolutely free to sign up and you get an immediately get an adventure generator PDF sent directly to your inbox. And every week you will get an RPG-related email with tips and tricks for running your games, but also links to all of the other things that I do. They're all linked in each of those weekly newsletters. It's a great way to see all of the stuff that I do. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get access to Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a dedicated Discord server, the monthly Q&A, a whole bunch of tools, tips, tricks, adventures, and things that you can run to make your game awesome. And you help me put on shows like this. And you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, The Lazy DM's Companion, The Lazy DM's Workbook, Forge of Foes, and all four Fantastic Adventures books, all available on the Sly Flourish bookstore. Links to those are in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.